What a difference to last week. Last week, I saw some sleepy faces here, but today, I see bright eyes and bushy tail. Wonderful, wonderful. In Luke chapter, must be the Lord, Luke chapter 2 and verse 8, it says, And there were shepherds living in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. The angel of the Lord said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all people. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. God is good news, is he not? With great joy, is he not? I want to talk about living in the joy of the Lord. We serve a God of joy, do we not? Amen. We serve a God who is perfect in every way, in every detail. He has perfect holiness. He has perfect peace, perfect joy, perfect fulfillment. We, he doesn't need us to fulfill him. There was perfect joy in the Godhead from all eternity. Think about that. There wasn't a moment, there wasn't a fraction of a, a moment where there wasn't absolute unity, peace and joy in the Godhead. Our God is a God of extreme joy, immense joy, phenomenal joy. We, we can't compare the joy with anything else that he has and is and gives. After all, he is the source of all true joy, true and genuine joy. Satan would come and try and counterfeit that joy. And he's duped us in many ways, and he still tries to dupe us. And saying this way, do this, do that, do the other. But it's only God that has true and genuine joy. There's joy and glory right now for the church triumphant. We can be envious of them because they're enjoying their peace and the joy in God. Psalm 16 and verse 11, it says, You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Wow! That's something to look forward to, is it not? Especially when we go through suffering, especially when we go through heartache and pain, that we can look forward to this joy and eternal pleasures at God's right hand. There's joy in the Godhead. There's joy in heaven. There's joy in the presence of God and no gloominess, no doominess. There's no sickness, no pain, no heartache, no confusion, no sin. Only joy. There are no gloomy, depressed people in, in eternity. Just last night, listening, listening to a program and saying there are 460 on average people phoning in who have attempted suicide on a daily basis in South Africa. 460 people on a daily basis. There's lots of sadness and suffering in our world. And then in the book of Proverbs and chapter 8 and verse 30, it says, And there 
I was, it's talking about Jesus having joy in God's presence. And there I was the craftsman at his side. I was filled with, the, with delight day after day, rejoicing in his presence. The parable of the lost sheep talks about the joy that angels have over one sinner that comes to repentance. In Luke chapter 15 and verse 10, it says, I tell you, there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Join the Godhead, join the church triumphant, joy amongst the angels. You're getting the picture? They, they throw a party over one sinner. And how many people don't come to know Christ on a daily basis? They are always rejoicing. There's always joy. They're throwing a party. And, and 2,000 years ago when Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, he conquered sin, Satan, and, and, and the grave. And the Father could see the billions who would ever come into his presence in eternity. Imagine what joy and rejoicing there was in that. Jesus was... And he is the most joyful person in the universe. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 9 says, God has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. And, that, and that's why so many people flocked to see him and to be with him. They invited him to their, to their parties. He wasn't this holy Joe who walks ceremoniously like some people, we see some people do. You know, this pious Stupidity. He was warm and inviting. He was. He drew the crowds. We we we, we kind of have this idea that that he was he was this this guy that never laughed, never joked, never enjoyed life. Well, it, it, it's just told us here that he had more joy than anybody else in all the world. And all the universe. Isn't that powerful? He was a man of sorrows. Yes. Acquainted with grief. Yes. His own refused to receive him as, as their Messiah. And he was going to Jerusalem. And he, and he wept because of their rejection. He knew they were going to reject him. He went to the cross. He was sorrowful because he bore our sins. But at the same time. He is the most joyful person on the face of the earth. Because he was perfect. He was the only perfect person that lived on the face of this earth. And he had, therefore had perfect joy. Perfect joy. Jesus set the example for us to follow. And he wants us to have his joy, does he not? John chapter 15 and verse 11. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Isn't that good news? Isn't that good news? He's offering us his joy. The most joyful person, the most perfect person, the, the one who made us, created us. Don't you think he can give us his joy? When people say, you, you can't be too joyful. I say, well, well then, then I can't follow Jesus because he was extremely joyful. How then do we experience this joy? First of all, by allowing Jesus to become our Savior and our Lord. The moment we confess our sins and, and turn away like these men did at one stage in their lives and say, Lord, I need you. Come into my life. 
You enter into a personal, dynamic, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. That's where the journey begins. He's the wellspring of life. He's the source of life. Not only joy, but the source of life. John 10, 10, I've come to give you life in all its fullness, in all its abundance. There's abundant life in Jesus Christ. If you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you haven't begun to live. You haven't begun to live. Because there's a component in you which is missing. A spiritual dimension. Deep-seated and genuine joy is a characteristic of the Christian life. It's part of our DNA. It's a component of the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22, it says, The fruit of the Spirit is love. Love. This sounds a bit louder than... Love. Joy. Joy. Romans 14.17 says, the, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Who, who gave us laughter? Satan? Who gave us humor? We're not, you know, when I joke in the pulpit and people say, oh, you can't, can't, can't do that. It's like, really? Who gave us joy? I just about gave you a joke, but maybe I'll, I'll hold it back. Do you want to hear it? I've got permission from one of my brothers here. All right, so this, this psychiatrist, this world-renowned psychiatrist, was asked to come and speak at this mental asylum. They had just built on a section, and he was the keynote speaker. They had a meal, and then he was taken around and introduced to the patients. And this one ward was very bad, psychotic ward. And the patients lined up on either side of their bed, and he introduced himself. And uh, he said, and so, so who, who are you? And the one guy says, I'm Napoleon Bonaparte. And he said, ah, that's interesting. Who told you? He said, God told me. And a voice from the other side of the bed said, I did not. <laughs> Who gave us joy? Who gave us laughter? Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, the world twists around and they laugh at things that shouldn't be laughed at. But we can laugh at, at wonderful things, wonderful incidences. All right, so it starts with Jesus. Then secondly, living by faith is where it, it continues, despite hardships. Living by faith, despite hardships. The Apostle Paul was a wonderful example, was he not, of one who was extremely joyful, even though it didn't go so well with him for the most of times. In, um, in the book of Corinthians and uh, chapter 11, he, he, he goes through a whole list he was, he was beaten, you know, five times, 40, la uh, 40 minus one lashes. He was stoned. He, he was shipwrecked. He was, he was in prison. In fact, when he wrote the book of Philippians, he was in prison. He was in prison. Not because he committed a crime, but because he served Jesus Christ. And yet, he was so positive as he wrote this book of Philippians. He talks a lot about joy and rejoicing no less than 16 times. Man, you're in prison, Paul. You know, come on, be real. No, he was real. He was real. 
And he says in Philippians 4.12, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Now, we're not going to be called to be in a prison because of our faith in Christ. Hopefully not. But we probably have many prisons. Um, maybe uh, sicknesses. Maybe um, we're caught up in a difficult situation in our family life or business or um, it, it, with our finances. There are prisons and, and they're difficult times. And, and we're, not, we're not saying that, that we, we're exempt of those things. But our faith attitude will determine whether delays, discomforts, disappointments, hardships of any kind will diminish or destroy our joy. There are parts of this life which are not very pleasant and very easy. We're part of this fallen world and we're not exempt as Christians from hardship. Pete Howard Brown uh, the pastor who was leading the church in Somerset West, an international speaker, and um, just built a brand new uh, church building and uh, flying all over the place, burning the candle at, at both ends. He, was, he preached in Pretoria, and he was coming to the airport, and he had a stroke. And uh, foolishly, they put him on, on the plane. Medics checked him out. He was drooping. He was, it was very evident how they allowed him to, to go on the plane. He nearly died. His twin brother was called from Australia to say farewell to him. He survived. But to this day, he can, he can hardly speak. He was so eloquent. He was so dynamic. I've, heardly, I've hardly ever heard a preacher who's so good with the English language. He insisted as soon as he could to be wheeled down the aisle. He sat in his normal place. Never missed a service. Always had a smile on his face. There was a time of depression. It's natural and normal for a stroke victim to have depression. But he soon came through that. And, and there was a moment when, when he uh, learned to walk a little. And, and he had his crutches. And he would, he would hobble along. On his crutch. And he, when he came down the aisle, the church was full. There were six or seven or eight hundred people. And when they saw him come, they just stood up and gave him a standing ovation. There was not a dry, dry eye in the congregation. And there was an occasion when he sat there in the front and he started singing a solo. He could hardly speak, but he could sing. He could sing. It was quite amazing. And he had this wonderful voice. And every time I, I visited him, I visited him often to encourage him. But he encouraged me. He always had the smile on my feet. How is it going? Oh, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. God's good. Remember Pete, Howard Brown, hardships. He's living by faith. He knows the joy of Jesus. So there are delays, there are discomforts, there are disappointments that Paul Paul went through. What about the delay of being in prison? When he should have been church planting, he was called to plant churches, raise up, raise up leaders, go and visit the churches, encourage them, build up the kingdom of God. He was, he was the lead apostle. He was the lead person in the church. How did he handle that? He just accepted the delay. And he got on with, with 
with business as usual. And he evangelized the rest of the, of the guard. They were worried about him. And he said, don't worry about me. Everything's fine. God's in it. God's in it. Paul truly believed in the sovereignty of God. And that gave him peace and joy. God's in charge. He knows what he's doing. And his timing is perfect. His timing is perfect. I think I told you about Sandy Gilfern, the pastor in Port Elizabeth, who was booked on a flight to go and preach somewhere. And he was waiting for the, for the um, flight at the airport. And uh, he had an emergency. He had to cancel it and rebook. And that, that, that flight went down. I think it was the Helderberg. God's delays are not to be sneezed at. We can rejoice even in his delays because he's sovereign and his timing is perfect and his will is perfect. What about his discomfort? He was a brilliant student, top of the class. He was a wonderful, remarkable leader and great administrator. Could have gone right to the top of any profession. But when Jesus arrested him in his tracks, his life was changed. and He chose to live a life of sacrifice. Never for one moment did he want to go back to his old life of comfort, ease, wealth, prestige. And that's why he could say, for me to live is Christ, Philippians 1.21, and to die is gain. No hardship or discomfort took away his joy or his desire to serve the Lord. What about disappointment? Paul had many, but he learned that disappointment is his appointment very often. We were planting with, with him in Hrabo, and he had, he had the church, uh, he had the stroke when we, I was assigned to go and plant this church, and the, the new leadership pulled it back, and it was, it was, it was discomforting, and it was distressing. But I had to say, God, you're in the disappointments of life. Stuart Briscoe says, to have an ongoing disappointment with God can only result if you find God disappointing and his will less than acceptable. Can I read that again? To have an ongoing disappointment or an attitude of disappointment can only result if you find God disappointing and his will less than acceptable. In 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 10, when he, Paul had gone through another list of all his sufferings, you, you look it up, 2, 2, 2 Corinthians 6, 10 verses 4 to 10 and verse 10 after all his sufferings he says sorrowful yet always rejoicing sorrowful yes but always rejoicing Nehemiah 8.10 something along the lines of what what law spoke about the joy of the Lord is our strength easy to have joy when things are going well is it not easy to be bouncing around and, and praising God but not so easy when, when things are not going well. And that's when the joy of the Lord is our strength. And he gives us joy in those moments, those times, when we think, wow, I should be going to pieces. What's happening? It's God in me, the hope of glory. Living in thankfulness and praise is another way which we foster this joy. Living in thankfulness and praise. Philippians 3.1 Paul says, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. And, and when he wrote it, he probably said, rejoice in the Lord. 
Chapter 4 and verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord sometimes. Always. Always. And I will say it again. Rejoice. The great importance of joy and rejoicing is throughout the, the Bible. The Psalms are full of joy and rejoicing. You, you, you heard that Psalm, Psalm 100 today. You know, it, it's just full of joy, full of joy. And it, it makes us realize that it's important for us to live in that direction. It's not an optional extra, not just for jovial people, outgoing people, positive people. You know, at one time when I first came to know the Lord in the Queenstown Baptist Church, I thought that these verses were written for Pentecostals. But then I realized they're written for every, every person who is in the body of, of Christ. The Lord is blessed when we live in sorrowful yet always rejoicing. And when we live in an attitude of gratitude, doesn't that boost our joy? When we live in thanksgiving, and there's so much to thank God for in, in our lives. Every good and perfect gift is from the Father. Every good and perfect gift. And He gives us everything for our enjoyment, as, as the Word of, of God says. In 1 Peter chapter 1, we have Paul addressing some of the church. They're scattered over five areas, and they were... They had gone through trials and tribulations and they were moaning and they were groaning and they were angry with God. No. No, they weren't. He says in verses 6 and verse 8, you are filled with joy and you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. The same uh, in the Corinthians chapter 8, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 1 onwards, and he, and he says, And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, the overflowing joy and the extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Severe trial and overflowing joy. Hey, man, what a, what a, what a testimony. And in Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians, he says that they're imitators of us and of our Lord Jesus Christ in their joys, despite their suffering. And then in 1 Thessalonians 1 and verse 6, he says, it was given by the joy given by the Holy Spirit. It's supernatural. It's a supernatural joy. How privileged and how blessed we are as born-again believers to know the Lord Jesus Christ, especially in our day and age. And things are going to get much, much Worse in our world as it becomes more chaotic. Briscoe, Stephen Briscoe says there's even joy in suffering. Paul says in Romans chapter 5 and verse 3, we rejoice in our suffering. No, Paul, how can you say that? You rejoice in your suffering. Ah, but he goes on and he says, knowing that it produces endurance and character and hope. He wasn't a masochist. He didn't enjoy beating himself, but accepted every situation. And so we're talking about living in thankfulness and praise. And on Sundays, this should be a glorious expression of our joy in God. Right? And it should be wonderfully honoring to God as we come. And how does that happen other than us being prepared to encounter the living God week by week? 
If, we, if we're not prepared to encounter the living God week by week on a Sunday and bring glory to Him, there will be no overflow of thankfulness and praise. There will be dryness. There will be sadness. They will be looking and thinking about our week, which has been hard and, and difficult. We need to come prepared. And we need to live in thankfulness and joy and praise during the week. Psalm 145 and verse 2 says, Every day I will praise you and extol your name. Every day. That's a challenge for us. Every day to live in thankfulness and praise. And that will spill out over here. Wouldn't it be wonderful if our church became known as a church of joy? A people of joy? That's why God has given us His joy. So that people can see this joy in us. I've heard, I've heard non-Christians say to me, what's with you? This joy. This, this peace that you have. And it's a wonderful time to be able to say, it's not my joy, but it's God's joy. It's his peace. And it came through his salvation that we can reflect his joy. There's a church, I think in Hong Kong, called the, the Church of Joy. <laughs> I, I guarantee you that people will come flocking, uh, flocking to us as a church if our joy will spill over into our neighborhood at work, wherever we are. And, and when this joy floods into the sanctuary, wow. There was a church like that in, in Durban, Durban North, and people came from far and wide. In fact, some came from America to find out what was happening in this church. There was so much joy, the presence of God. And so we live and experience this joy, fourthly, by serving God faithfully. We are saved to serve, Right? And when we use our gifts, there's no greater joy, no greater fulfillment. But when we don't, we shrivel up and we die spiritually. And so does our joy. There's tremendous blessing, tremendous joy in serving the Lord with the gifts that he's given to us. I would encourage you to look for a way that you can serve. Romans 12, 10 to 12 says, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. No greater joy than leading someone to Christ. What a joy that is. And We need to be saying, God, we want to take as many to glory as we possibly can. Get alongside your neighbor, befriend them, serve them, point them to Jesus. Lastly, Living obediently, blatant and gross disobedience leads to misery, heartache, and pain. And even indifferent living does the same thing. Even when we follow God at a distance, and it's ho-hum, I'm saved, but no joy. No magnifying the Lord. There's nothing like that in the kingdom of God. God wants us to be full of joy. Psalm 147, the Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. If we look warm, what does it say? It's not acceptable to God. We need to be keeping ourselves self-motivated, 
We need to not become envious of others with their joy because we can push into God. We can walk with Him. And, and we can know the joy. My joy I give you. My joy I give to you. You want that joy? Maybe you do not know Jesus as your Savior. You cannot hope to have that joy without Him. And today He offers and extends His love to you, His friendship. He's not looking for a religious person, sanctimonious religion, but a personal relationship with Jesus where He washes away our sins. Our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. The Father smiles on us. says, this is my son. I'm going to bless him. I'm going to give him my joy. Won't you respond to him today? If that's you, you do not know Jesus as your savior. Today is that day. Come and speak to me afterwards in Lawrence. We're here. I would love to pray with you and introduce you to Jesus. So let's just reflect for a moment. And let's ask God to forgive us for the many times we groan and gripe. And let's ask God to turn that around. That we would live in thankfulness, praise, and joy. Father, thank you for your presence with us this morning. Thank you for the joy of knowing you and of being able to worship you. We can't see you, but we know that you're present. You're more real to us than we are to each other in the, in, in the physical realm here. We thank you that you minister to us. Minister to us today. Be with those who are sorrowful, Lord. Be with those who are not well. We pray for your touch, your healing, your restoration upon their lives. Thank you for Liz's testimony today, Lord. We pray for many more like that to your glory. We thank you for your goodness and for your grace. And for any who do not know you as Savior, we pray that this will be the day that um, they will be like that lame beggar that uh, Peter came across and uh, he was leaping and shouting and uh, rejoicing in his God and in his Savior. In Jesus' name, amen.